and welcome to the first episode for the Ears to the Parks podcast. I'm your host, Gary. Well, one of your hosts, at least, anyway. We do have a, new, a number of hosts that are going to be joining us throughout the episodes of these podcasts. A few of which we have here today. We have Jenny, Tom, and Stevie with us. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hiya. Hey, guys. All good. Hello. Good, good. That's what we like to hear. And we're going to be covering covering quite a few things in today's episode. A great way to start the entire series off. We're going to be delving into some of the seasonal events that are happening over at Walt Disney World and beyond, really. Now, as you know, the festivals have been running at Walt Disney World in the parks for a, for a long time now. Like, I did a quick research just before this today, earlier on, and... I'm not sure if this is one of the earliest things, but I came across something called World Fest, which was introduced in September 1984, which was also at the exact same time as the Morocco Pavilion opened. And basically, this was a festival for the countries at World Showcase, uh, which celebrated things like food, music, entertainment from the corresponding countries as well. And it rotated each and every month to celebrate one of the countries in World Showcase. I don't know if you guys have heard about this before or not. I've only just found about, out about that today, just from looking into it. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty new to me. I'd, uh, I'd never heard of that one coming out before. Uh, I'd always assumed it pretty much started with the uh, with the Epcot Festival, sort of with food and wine and flower and garden, etc. Yeah, now the... Uh... The Flower and Garden Food and Wine came in uh, a little bit later on. I have died. The Flower and Garden Festival started first in 1994, so it was a little bit afterwards. Followed by Food and Wine Festival in 1996, which, from what I've seen, uh, followed on from something they had at Disney Springs that started in 1981, just called the Wine Festival. <laughs> I mean, that sounds... When that's... did the food come in? The... That, that The food part started when it was transferred over to Epcot in 1996. So it moved from the wine festival to then the food and wine festival. And that's strange. It's basically now become probably the most of the uh, popular festivals, I think, that run at Epcot at the minute. And it's the one of the latest ones to have been added in. I was going to say as well, because I kind of always assumed food and wine was like the originator of all the Epcot festivals and obviously didn't start them all well originally with the world fest that i spotted the reason that was brought in was because epcot wasn't really doing so well and they was trying to change it up for the locals and everyone that wanted to repeat a reason to come back basically which wasn't really happening once you've gone around the world showcase and seen everything there is to it you know how it is it becomes a little monotonous but the funny thing that I found about the World Fest when I was looking into it is every month they dedicated the festival to one of the World Showcase countries. And at the time, um, every country there got a month. I've got it down on my notes here. I've got it down in October, it was Germany, November, Italy, December, it was the UK. We got Christmas. Uh, January was China. February was Canada, March was France, April, Japan, May was Mexico, and then June, July, and August was the USA. <laughs> a celebration to all countries 
but mostly USA. <laughs> yeah, three whole months for the USA. I'd be interested in what they did for the UK because it's just mostly beige food. I mean, Sam Eagle would be proud of that anyway, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> Probably just give us tea and crumpets. But yeah, since introducing the Flower and Garden Festival, the Food and Wine Festival, uh, we've also had different festivals included in Epcot since then. So there's the Festival of the Arts, which has one of the most popular acronyms, and Festival of the Holidays. We're going to start off at least by looking at the Food and Wine Festival, I believe, this year. Yes. Excellent. Now, I haven't really looked too much into the food and wine this year. Um, so the first thing that I that caught my eye, which is probably not related at all and probably nobody cares. Um, this year, And I know that we spoke about this before in a test episode that it was sponsored. This, this year is sponsored by a, a company called Corksicle, which I had never heard of before. So I have... Yeah, yeah, like the flasks. That's right, yeah. I I imagined it was like an icicle cork that kept your drink cool, but apparently not, no. Yeah, you're right. So the flasks, coolers, tumblers, etc. Yeah, it was one of the weirdest parts of the event as well. Like, so I was there during it in September and just seeing all this sponsored by corks cool around, but I don't think there was any real mention of who it who they were you know I, there was not much merch branded merch or any i, I think the uh, apple orchard booth may have been specifically sponsored by them um but other than that it was a, a an odd sponsorship i know disney have done other partnerships with them though because i saw at like the most recent run disney the princess marathons they had princess themed cooks calls that were very cool now that I've got it in my head, it's like a, a, a freezable cork. That's all I can keep imagining. <laughs> you might have to patent that. If this goes <laughs> I, out to I, the I public. Someone's going to steal that amazing idea from you. I think it already exists. So it's probably already been beaten to it, which is probably why it's popped into my head. I mean, is there much of a market for a cold bottle neck of wine? I mean, no one wants warm wine. <laughs> <laughs> That would make more sense with the whole food and wine festival as well. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that is true. Now, I'm not really entirely sure how many new booths are added for food and wine each year. I know that last year they had a total of 29 booths, and I couldn't really find which new additions there were. Yeah, they tend to sort of sit around the 30 booth mark, sort of 28 to 32, depending on the festivals. In the past, I, I believe they don't change them out all that often. Um, really, they might they may change a group of three or four of them, um, but normally there's some pretty pretty mainstays uh, throughout throughout most of the festivals. Actually, yeah, that's fair enough. I know that they do have new additions every now and then. I have been to a couple of the food and wine uh, festivals myself, but. I've never really spent the time to go around everywhere and look or try everything, which I probably should the next next time I'm there. But yeah, usually I just grab one or two things that take my fancy and yeah, I don't really take it all in because again, it can be quite expensive as well to try it every single thing out. 
Yeah, I'll uh, not divulge how much money I've spent on the two festivals over the years. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> now, there's not too much information on the food and wine for this year as of yet. Uh, but looking back at last year's event, there was a few, a few things other than food and wine that also take place at the Food and Wine Festival. Uh, activities such as the Remy's Ratatouille Hide and Squeak Scavenger Hunt that had they had there last year. Which, um, if you're unaware, um, you basically get a little card, have to do a scavenger hunt, and look for little Remy statuettes hidden around the park. And once you've collected or found all of those and put your stickers in your book, you can take it back to the start and you get a prize. And last year they was given like lintech lenticular cups out are you pretty cool and that cost 9.99 so i guess if you've got young ones as well to keep them occupied as you you're filling your cup around the world <laughs> and they also had a a limited halloween similar kind of thing activity called pluto's pumpkin pursuit uh, the s- same kind of thing you go around the world showcase Finding which part does it? Which I'm trying to see if I if I put what we have to find on this one. I'm not entirely sure. There's like hidden, hidden things. I'm I don't know if Pluto's hidden around World Showcase, maybe. But then you stick your stickers into a sticker book, and for that one, the prize was like a um, trick or treat pumpkin. I think it was bucket. And again, that was nine ninety nine, as well. So there's one of many things, I guess, catered towards the children, rather than just mainly the alcohol for the adults. <laughs> I really like the scavenger hunts that they have at Epcot. I feel like, I mean, this is going to show how long it's been since I've been, but I think it was impossible mm-hmm, when yeah. we went. Um, but it turned like a couple of hours in the park to like hours and hours just just going around and like scouring each of the different um world showcase uh pavilions um but yeah i i think they're really fun and i did last year's flower and garden scavenger hunt and i found like the price that you'd pay for the gift you get at the end works out almost cheaper than what disney would actually put it on sale for because they were giving away like little Tupperware tubs with the mascots of the festival on and they would have not much. upcharged them um, so yeah um, although they did give my brother his when he bought the map and I had to go around and find <laughs> they made you work for it get mine <laughs> it is expensive I think it's more about the friends you make along the way <laughs> the gift that you get at the end um, but no. yeah nine what was it nearly a tenner that's a lot especially if you want to get multiple mm. for yeah multiple children because they can't share one one toy at the end i would have kicked off as a child <laughs> in my own. <laughs> but there is also a uh, like a scavenger hunt for the adults as well i didn't actually put the price down for this one but there's a scavenger hunt called emile's fromage montage which gives it was which gives you an a 
a selection of various food items from yeah around the festival and so you have this to collect one's... five of ten go on top yeah this one i don't think you actually have to pay for it's more that you there's it's all these cheese-based foods from all the different booths that um, right yeah. so they list them all in your festival passport and then like you said as you oh. go around and you have to buy each individual item to try try out and then once you've got so many you go back to the uh to the center uh and get your get your little prize from that exactly that's that's the exact one i was talking about yeah and last year's prize was a strawberry cheesecake soft serve with a piece of cheesecake on top served in a souvenir cup sounds fun i don't know how much i'm gonna want to eat that after i've eaten so much cheese <laughs> but um <laughs> the good thing about that is that i spotted you don't have to eat do it all in one day you can do it over multiple days so you're right no one's forcing you to also eat the cheese as well <laughs> just buy the cheese you could just buy the cheese <laughs> but at about eight dollars a pop that's gonna add up quickly <laughs> yeah exactly it's a good one for locals because if you can like do it across the length of the festival then that works out quite nice i mean yeah speaking about the length of the festival it is quite a long one as well because mm-hmm. <laughs> it usually starts around july time it goes up on towards november so you've got quite a while to experience well if you're there for that long us being brits and you only get two weeks or so it's <laughs> Gotta squeeze it all into the time that you have. But if you're there local or you can get there more than once in that time, then you have a, lo- a long time to do it and experience it all. It's one of those that it, it even only going back sort of four or five years ago, it's it was only starting maybe end of August. Um it was a couple of months thing, but yeah. it just seems to be now the case where they pretty much want a festival running at Epcot year round um, and all of them have just been getting earlier and earlier and just really pushing uh, that to a point where are they actually even that special anymore it feels like arts had barely ended when Flower and Garden started this year like they merged into a weird kind of combo and it like that kind of anticipation for the next festival felt lacking a little yeah. I get that. Yeah. I'm sort of okay with a rotating. There's sort of a festival on at any one time. Um, then again, I also feel like you can never have enough food, wine, and cheese scavenger hunts. So as long as that's just <laughs> it, just keeps going. That's fine with me. The seasonal events, seasonal events, I don't want to run for very long at all. Um, like the Christmas events and stuff, but the festivals, I'm. I'm all right with. I feel like they've started doing that more at UK parks as well, which is they'll always try and have something on um, at any one time. So I don't feel like anyone's recently been to Towers or Thorpe. They'll have like Mardi Gras on all spring. Yeah. uh, Um, Towers as well. I've been doing a lot of like Oktoberfest and that goes straight into into some food festival. Yes. But I think with having something going all the time like it brings us back to the the original festival that was talking about earlier on there's something to bring people back like a lot of people Mm -hmm. specifically go for these festivals and events 
Whereas yeah. they they might not go if that wasn't the case and it wasn't happening. So having these events happening pretty much all year round, it's it's almost like a guarantee that they're going to get certain people back. And the people that aren't going for the events, they're going to go anyway. So, I mean, the great events to go to is just when they are on all year round, do they start detracting from the World Showcase itself? Uh, you know, are people more focused on going to the booths just to get the next hot fix rather than actually exploring the pavilions and what they have to offer? Because the amount of times, you know, you can explore for example morocco or france and if you really get deep into those pavilions it's just places that you just never really seen before and with all these festival booths being so close to the waterfront i think i think the pavilions just get left behind a little bit yeah i get what you mean i think at least with food and wine it definitely complements world showcase in the idea of being able to shine a spotlight on lots of different cultures that aren't included in the world showcase anyway um and that whole ethos of culture sharing um is is definitely reflected in in that festival and um, but maybe less so in the other in the other festivals throughout the year yeah that is true because so many people go to epcot and walk straight through pavilions and don't even know that there's anything back there anyway so i guess if there's all these booths scattered around they just see it go oh that's it and just move on to the next one which which is quite sad there's some really cool really cool places like tom was saying in the the pavilions as well that i've probably honestly not even fully explored yet so i don't know as well what if from any of the festivals you guys may have been to, whether you think the food is actually worth it. I mean, there's some absolute standout dishes that I've had in the past, but I think a lot of it as well is what I'd call Instagram food. So it's there, it's there yeah. to have the picture taken. Uh, it looks great, but then actually when you delve into it, it's, you know, it, I'm not saying it's terrible, but is it worth nine ten dollars for these bite-sized portions of food you get in yeah. yeah and especially when you have to go around and again like you say they're bite-sized they're snacks if anything they're not a full meal and i have the well the cheapest and ex- most expensive options that i found from the menu last year out here and one of the cheap though the cheapest thing on the menu from the festival that you can get is the maple cheesecake, well, was the maple cheesecake from the refreshment port coming in at $4.50. Now, that's classed as a dessert, I guess, so I kind of put a, a main on there as well. And the next one up was the Canadian cheddar and bacon soup with pretzel roll from Canada, which is a very, very popular one, which came in at five seventy-five. Weirdly, because that is so popular, I thought they would have upped the price on that at some point. <laughs> And the most expensive thing that I spotted on there, food-wise at least, was the braised beef poutine, once again from Refreshment Port. Of all places, they could put the most expensive thing, they put it in Refreshment Port. (laughs) I think it helps with that being a a more semi-permanent structure. I guess they've probably got a bit more 
infrastructure in there to to be able to put some of the more popular and labor intensive dishes out yeah that is true actually yeah but when you're looking say an average of i don't know seven eight dollars per dish and again these are snacks they're not full meals and you could easily go around and eat i don't know six seven of them easily and that's going to set you back 50 ish dollars it is like small plates at main meal prices. The most expensive tapas you'll ever eat <laughs> is at Epcot. <laughs> I mean, the That's hot not in <laughs> <laughs> The hot tip always used to be back in the dining play, dining plan days uh, to use your snack credits for them because nearly every dish on the the festival booths was snack credit available, um, and obviously it's long since gone and. <laughs> No one really knows if it's ever going to come back. I think most people are pretty doubtful. Um, but that was a really great tip for back in the day. But now, like I said, it's it can cost at least $60, $70 uh, just in your food and wine festival day. Yeah, and then yeah. if you're drinking as well, you got to add the drinks on. And that's, that's a heck of a lot more. Got the uh, most expensive drinks they had on the menu. I don't think I actually put the cheapest ones. I couldn't find it. And the most expensive drinks they had there, I mean, for Disney, it wasn't too bad. It was a mimosa flight from Shimmer and Sips, which cost $14. Again, that was a flight, so you do get three variations of drink with it. So I added the next one, which is also $14, which was from China called Fireworks, which is like a tequila and vodka-based drink. That was worth it. <laughs> that was definitely worth it. They, uh, I mean, America are well, relatively well known for free pouring anyway, and you definitely felt like you got a good hit of alcohol after that drink. <laughs> but I feel it's one of those things like you can either split your money, get a few, a few drinks and a few things to eat, or go one way or the other, spend all your money on food or all your money on drinks i know a lot of people spend it all on drinks anyway going around epcot which can get expensive just on that so never mind with 29 other pavilions to buy from something i was always told uh, if you are going there on a budget is preload a gift card they have special festival gift cards uh load that up with whatever you're wanting to spend for that day and then when it's gone it's gone uh yeah, uh-huh. we've got a bit of a limit set for you there. We did yeah. that yeah. Aaron Garden. We kind of budgeted how much we'd want to spend on food and got two and kind of split them across our group. Yeah, and with that you can it's get sensible. The, you can get the what cool little wristbands as well, can't you? Yeah, um, I was gutted because they'd already sold out of orange bird ones, but oh, uh, no. the <laughs> did compensate. The collection failed to grow. <laughs> One thing we're not mentioned yet from the festival is the Eat the Beat, which I feel can be quite often missed or just bypassed as, you know, like a, a side show, if you will. Yeah, it's one of those where it's it was never something I really ever had on my radar when I'd been going. Uh, it's 
very very dependent on what days you're going to be there and um, you can really get some you know just some acts that you have no idea who they are uh what's going on uh but then they really do get some big names in as well or you know big for what you'd expect at a, a disney food festival uh so in the past couple of years they've had smash mouth boys to men always That's making it. a making a return Tiff- there billy ocean tiffany um you know they, they do get some some names through through the years it definitely feels like another added thing for locals because a lot of the acts only do one night so it's not like you're going to get international guests booking a whole trip around an artist but it may encourage locals to come back multiple times throughout the festival and get like extra drinks and whatever yeah, for me, yeah. I th- I feel it's it's definitely names that you know of and you've heard before and yeah. you know the songs and you hear them on the radio, but it kind of also feels like artists that are past their prime and are just needing work. Yeah, it's like Epcot's version of I'm a Celeb. It's <laughs> <laughs> stick on the stage. Yeah, when I see Tiffany on the lineup, I'm like, well, once she's sung, I think we're alone now. What's she gonna do for the rest of the set? But she on repeat. She's <laughs> just gonna be alone in the corner. <laughs> Extended edition. <laughs> no, it's one of those things that I've never actually made an effort to sit down and go to, go to though, because all again, all the artists I say I see there is either someone that you kind of know and you'd like to see, but then there's a, a two hour wait to line up to get in to get seats and then other artists are just somebody that it doesn't really get my attention that makes me want to go and sit and watch through the entire thing to see them yeah i think if you time it right as well so often you can just be passing by and uh just sort of catch catch a little bit of the performance <laughs> on your on your way through a uh, world showcase and and that case you just catch what you want move on and you like you say you've not got that weight to get into the amphitheater you're not stuck missing out on the rest of the rest of the day for however long yeah because it's still an open theater it's not blocked off it's it's not a huge theater anyway so you could walk past as you're walking yeah. through uh the u.s and still catch them and see it you could stand right at the back and catch the entire show so you don't have to wait in line. Or you could just, again, watch it as you're strolling by. Take a steady, a steady slow walk and catch a song or two. Yeah, I think that's what I like about having live music at a theme park is I've never sat down for a whole set um, and factored that into my day. But as I'm like walking past and I can hear live music, I've always very much appreciated that it's there. And I think I've always said out loud, oh, that's nice that they've got someone <laughs> singing a song over there. <laughs> It's just like adds to the ambiance of just being somewhere. I thought you were going to say, oh, that's nice. I've got karaoke and letting some random person sing. <laughs> I don't know. That's nice. They've got Smash Mouth up there just doing, <laughs> just doing Shrek songs. <laughs> now, I actually came across a TikTok live last night and uh, Smash Mouth was on play and I was like, oh, that is Shrek in Epcot. <laughs> it feels like it should be wrong, but it, I think it works. <laughs> They can't play anything else. No one else knows anything else that they've ever done. <laughs> Much mouth will work wherever they go. <laughs> All right. I feel like 
we should be good and to move on to the next event on our agenda which we have down as Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Have any of you guys been to the parties yet? No, it was one of the things on my 2020 agenda, so it, it no. hasn't happened, but it's the one thing I am like really desperate to do. Did you have a costume in mind? And I, We were thinking of some kind of, because um, it was a group, we were going to do like the good fairies from Sleeping Beauty. Nice. Group costumes always go down well. Yeah. Stevie, Tom, have you guys been to the Halloween party before? Not me. I've watched many a video from it, though. Yeah. That's what I'm basing all of my factual knowledge on for this <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've managed to hit a couple up in the in the last couple of years, uh, sort of since the they had a little bit of a refresh of it all. Uh, so the new new fireworks and the new parade system floats so i've been since that twice uh never got to see hollow wishes apart from the many <laughs> youtube videos <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been i've been a couple of times myself as well and i can honestly honestly say it's one of the best parties out there one of the best events for me at least because i'm a big halloween person so having a a Disney-fied Halloween is is great, and I love it so much. I mean, you guys at home aren't like gonna know about this, but Gary recently shared with us the Jack Sparrow costume he went with a couple <laughs> of years ago, and let me tell you, this guy can cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right. I don't, I don't like Did to you, uh... just in half, half, halfway. We'll say. Did you practice your Jack Sparrow impression oh, yeah. for the occasion? I, I definitely. <laughs> I, as I'll say one thing: I wasn't out of character all night. I couldn't talk in my normal voice. I couldn't walk straight, um, <laughs> and that was, that was and that was just because I was going to say I just was, how much I, rum did you have to get in character? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I told you guys, I ended up with blisters at the end of the night from. Well, the boots I had was a little, a little too big, and I was doing the drunken Jack walk. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you Jack Sparrowed too hard. <laughs> I don't know. That's never, possible, never really. full Jack Sparrow. <laughs> never get full Jack. Yeah, with the parties now. I mean, for me, I I like that it starts early. It starts well a few years ago. I can remember when it started at the start of September, and now it's mid August that it starts when I was again apologize because you probably hear me say this I don't know how many times during these podcast episodes but once you've worked there you have to tell everyone when, when I worked there in 2018, <laughs> 2018 I took part in my Disney national programs um, this and... one time at Disney <laughs> <laughs> and my program ended on I'm trying to think now like the 18th of August and we missed out on working the Halloween parties because of that because it didn't start until like a week later the next year um, the Halloween parties started like a week before we finished so that's pushing them by like a week or two every single year and I'm not complaining because hey it's a Halloween party and you can go you don't have to go at the, one of the busiest times to experience it you can go a month before a month or two before even 
and still get the same experience as you would going on Halloween. I think one of the good things as well is that it's it's that time that you can go in your full full decked out costume. You know, ev- all the cast members are are really like supportive about it all. Uh, they'll all interact with you so well. Um, I I went as Vision from what uh, the old school One Division Vision this year. Nice. Or, so last year. Um, and going through the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, uh, their layover of Halloween, getting picked out for that, uh, it was quite a funny experience. And then uh, comparing the cape with Elvis Stitch was great fun. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. There's there's so much to do at these parties that you you wouldn't get any other time. Like you say, there's the parade is completely different. We had the, the boot to you parade which i absolutely adore and i feel it's one of the best parades they have even over christmas i think everyone knows as well like that parade is made entirely by the hoyd mansion grave diggers that is they're both them and if you're lucky enough to be there on a calm night and you get the ride of the headless horseman yeah i mean i know there was an incident with headless horseman a while back now which is why he doesn't gallop through the park anymore sadly because that that looked so cool when he was galloping what through was the that park. oh it was a it was a wet evening and the horse took a turn a bit too harsh and uh okay yeah didn't stay upright unfortunately he he still rode uh last year's party yes they uh trot i believe they just trot through the park now halfway so through okay i um on an offside, work in PR and was quite impressed by the way you just explained how the horse fell over by saying he was no longer upright, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to sound horrible. I said, oh yeah, the horse. <laughs> I like to articulate, okay? <laughs> but you're well, right, it is unfortunate. Yeah, it was really, it was really, really good before, but they, they, they still keep him in the parade. Which is the main thing. It wasn't a okay. That's it. We're going to take him out completely now. They they made alterations. They made changes, and he's still there. So yeah, and now it's just two guys in a horse suit. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. They also, other than the praise, there's the uh, not so spooky spectacular, which has a amazing Jack puppet at the in the show as well it's just so cool yeah i think there's always or at least before i was going there's the worry that you have to really be front and center to be able to see what's going on with that but they managed to pull it off i mean you can't i think you'd struggle really if you were back on main street for example um but they work it very well that pretty much if you're in the hub you can see what's what's going on with with jack because uh, it's a big draw for a lot of people. I mean, okay. just to meet Jack and Sally, uh, if you're going in the party uh, with ticket for the four o'clock entry, you are basically getting in line immediately so that you're not spending half your oh. party night yeah. waiting to see them. And I, I just want to say that I don't. I believe I just said Jack, but that is Jack Skellington. Well, there's some random guy named Jack with a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. 
<laughs> but yeah, speaking about waiting in line to meet the characters, um, Tom, you've been before. Again, you just said about waiting, getting there first thing, and to get in line pretty much straight away to meet these characters. Um, what's like the tips and tricks that you go by when you go to the parties? Yeah, so I mean, I'd always suggest looking. Um, they, they're quite sneaky. They don't really release an official list of meet and greets uh, and where everyone's going to be meeting. And um, when you get the map for the event, there will be locations marked on the map for just general character meet and greets. Um, so you do have to do a little bit of digging beforehand to make sure if there is someone you want to meet, you know where exactly they're they're going to be uh, on the night. Uh, like I say, if you want to meet Jack and Sally, the best best advice I can give you is as soon as that queue opens at Main Street Theatre, get there straight away. Um, you'll still probably uh, be waiting about an hour, no matter how early you think you get there. Uh, but the good thing is they are one of the first characters that will start meeting in the evening. So the party officially doesn't start until 7 Usually by about half five, six o'clock, they will start meeting guests just to get through the amount of people that are going to be there. Um, other than that, Stitch is always a big one, uh, and so are the Seven Dwarfs. They're normally the three with the with the biggest queue. So I'd I'd say sort of pick pick two or three out that you know you're going to want to want to see and make a game plan around that. First time. So were Jack and Sally meeting at Main Street Theatre last year? Yes, so uh, as you go in to when you'd meet Minnie and Mickey, uh-huh. uh, go through the big main doors and normally straight ahead they will convert all that area um, into a huge queue. Um, you'll, see the, you'll see the main lobby queue, you'll think that's it and even that's big and then you go into room two. And then you go into room three, <laughs> so it's it's a wait, but um, they they are great great meet and greet. Oh wow! The last time that I was there, they was meeting by the the little uh, kind of where the the word is for it now, the little pagoda kind of thing, out by Liberty Square entrance entrance way. Yeah, I think they just <laughs> realised that they'd become so popular they need the. Uh, they the the key was all the way out down Main Street from there, so <laughs> we're now. They're too me. famous for that now. <laughs> <laughs> for me, at least, I I say if you have things that you want to do, if you want to get in line for a sh- getting well, get a place for a show, get a place for the uh, parade or anything like that, or if you just want to go do attractions, I would say leave the trick or treat in until later on. Because that's they're still going to be there. They're still going to have plenty of candy. You're not going to good tip. <laughs> and usually at the end of the night, they want to empty those buckets, so they're going to fill your bags up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you're not having to carry candy around all night. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I took a pretty large backpack with me uh, the last year. Carried my costume in it through the day. Uh, got changed and then. They were giving out the reusable bags last year, which were a bit bigger than normal. And I literally just looped uh, <laughs> trick-or-treat spots 
over and over again because I knew I was going to get so many Snickers and I hate Snickers. So I wanted to get some good stuff. <laughs> um, and about probably about four trips, my top spot is always the laugh floor trick or treat spot. You'll go through the queue, you'll have uh, about four, four people lined up with buckets at the start of the theatre. And then once you go through the layover uh, attraction, there's another two people on the other side, so you're getting double dipped. Um, <laughs> and about four runs through that, I have a full bag and empty it into the backpack and go again, because that is what they are there for. <laughs> yeah, that you're going to get your money true. back <laughs> through the candy alone. <laughs> but did you eat it all? Uh, I made a pretty good dent in it. I, <laughs> I I learned from a mistake from the first year because I brought a lot of it home as well. And I thought, rather than take all the weight in the luggage, I'll throw it all into the hand luggage because, um, <laughs> you know, easy access. Uh, and TSA do not like that. Uh, no. Because it's all individually wrapped candy and it just layers on top of each other so much. Uh, we had to uh, spread it out all into separate trays so oh, the scanners oh. could read it properly. Um, so I learnt from that mistake from year one and put it all in the suitcase year two. <laughs> and, that is a nightmare you know. for whoever was behind you in security. <laughs> I think it was a pretty common way. occurrence. They were <laughs> they were used to it by that point at TSA. Uh, <laughs> Right. Is there any other things that you guys would like to cover regarding Not So Scary? Anything that we've missed? No, I was just looking a little bit at the allergy trails because um, that is my life now and it just <laughs> seems like a sadder amount of candy, <laughs> which there is a good amount of chocolate I can still have, so it's just do I risk... Which, which way would I end up risking it? Sad candy or candy I can't eat? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've always thought they're pretty good with the allergen, uh, yeah. whole allergen vibe anyway. You know, they'll give you the separate yeah. bags. You've got your tokens that you can then go. I think there's about three locations in the park yeah. that you can exchange. Um, obviously, the, the only thing is, are you ever going to truly get the same amount, no matter how many? My, I think the tip I've seen from everyone else would be that you make multiple stops rather than collecting all your tokens and then trading them yeah. at the end of the night because uh, that way you might not quite get as much. Uh, yeah, whether all that adds up to the price they are charging for these events at the minute, I'm not too sure. They're around about the 140 mark, depending on the night. I just don't know if the value is truly there when you consider the events that you can get elsewhere at considerably lower prices. Yeah, and the closer that you get to Halloween as well, the pricier it gets. So it's always worth bearing in mind. Obviously, if you want to go as soon as it starts, it's probably going to be one of the cheaper tickets to go to. But then again... The past few times, the earlier dates have sold out just because they are cheaper. So something to bear in mind. 
So, of course, you've got the ride layovers as well uh, that they've started doing in the past couple of years. So, uh, I believe at the minute it's Pirates, Space Mountain, Teacups, and the Laugh Floor that have had uh, some form of layover uh, in one way or another. So, with Laugh Floor, it's all Halloween-themed. They're on. Monster comedians are on rotation all night through the party. Uh, Space Mountain, pitch black, uh, altered soundtrack through the ride. Teacups is a bit of a weird one. I've never really gotten it, but it's always quite a popular one during the Halloween season. Uh, They've put a funky light package on, changed the music up again. And then I think the best by far is the Pirates layover. Uh, They have live actors all through the queue. uh, And then they have about four or five places in the through the ride where they station a live actor as well see for me i'm still waiting for them to bring nightmare before christmas to the haunted mansion i love like that. a disneyland i've i've I'd never i've never actually i've never watched any of the videos of that either because i they want to experience it in person i had no idea if i'm ever going to get out there halloween at the right time I don't think it's something they're ever going to move to Florida. I think someone had found that there were plans at one point or another years right. ago. Um, but I think, because I think in California, it goes down for about a month, doesn't it? Yeah. To, to do the transfer. And I think because it's obviously such a iconic ride for Florida, you know, California, it makes a bit more sense because you've got more repeat local visitors. Uh, yeah. But to shut it down for so long for a temporary makeover in Florida, I just don't think makes sense for them. No, it wouldn't be, uh, probably very plausible, unfortunately. I'd love to see it, but I get why they don't do it in Florida. We'll just have to go to California instead. Yeah. Group trip. Woo. <laughs> All right. Are we good to move on? Yeah. Yep. All right. Because next on the agenda, we've actually moved out of Walt Disney World. I mean, it's the first episode, and we're already moving out of Walt Disney World. Jeez, Not what sure is how this? I feel about that. No, <laughs> but it is for a good reason. It's one of my favorite things, and honestly, I have said many times, I would fly to Florida just for this event on its own without visiting Disney parks, and that is Halloween Horror Nights. The premier Halloween event. It is <laughs> so freaking good. I used to hate Halloween. I used to hate scary movies. Um, What's your favorite scary movie? (laughs) (laughs) You can tell I've just watched Scream recently. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, for me, this is one of the the best events to go to while I'm out there. And I always try to get in. Well, get a trip around Halloween time just to go to Halloween Horror Nights. And obviously Mickey's not so scary, but mainly Halloween Horror Nights. And again, it's it's not open as early as Mickey's not so scary. I believe it's only by a couple of weeks, but it does open early. Um, we've got down here, it opens early September time. Yeah, usually until- it's that sort of the start of that second week in September. Um, so uh, around about 
the fifth to the eighth is usually that sort of time frame. Yeah, but this one is open for longer hours as well. Like, not so scary. You can enter the park early, uh, around four o'clock, but the event doesn't start until seven and that runs till midnight. Whereas Halloween Horror Nights, obviously the queues are going to be a lot longer, but occasion, depending on the day, can run from like 6 p.m. until 2 a.m. So it's a long night, but it's needed because those those maze queues can get huge. They get busy. Mm-hmm. Like, I know some of them, you can wait in three hours just for one maze. And there are a couple of workarounds to, to sort of get the most out of that, which we'll get into a little later. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's not uncommon to see a three-hour wait for the the icon house that year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's usually why I don't go for a single night ticket. If I'm going, I usually get one of the multi-night options. Frequent like the frequent fair, stuff like fear, that. Yeah, frequent fear plus, uh, something like that, because I know that it's not going to get all done in one night. Unless you go with the expense of adding the express pass onto it, but then you're looking at an extra two hundred dollars a night just for that. Yeah, which... I I uh I made a bit of a big trip last year. I thought that was gonna be my last trip anywhere for a while, so I splurged out a bit on it. And to be fair, the express it definitely helps. Um it can be done without I've done it done it all without um in a one night uh, but if you really want to make sure you can take it at a nice steady pace or even if you want to hit a couple of houses twice it's uh, it's great for yeah. that would you get that one again or would you rather just go for multiple nights uh it's a tough one i think i think if you're limited on time then it's definitely worth it um but i think if you've got the option to be there for a second night. I think it actually works out cheaper to do two nights than it does one night with Express. Um, There is an option as well that they'll normally sell passes past 11 o'clock for a reduced price. I I can't remember off the top of my head what the discount is on them. Um, But I think if I was to do it again, it would probably be a two-nighter just so you can take it at a bit of slower pace. Uh, you've got more chance of doing things multiple times to because you can go through a house and be really unlucky on a scare act to change over and just yeah. get very few scares in that house. And, you know, you can just be stuck with that sometimes. Uh, I think a thing that a lot of people don't really know is, obviously, if you have tickets universal during the daytime, a lot of people... I've heard leave the park to re-enter the park to get in for Halloween Horror Nights. But if you have tickets or and you're already in the park, you can enter one of the holding pens, and they'll put you. Um, that I can't remember the name of the pub now. Is it? So there's the a Irish... few different areas. Um, yeah, you can like normally the Irish wait. Pub? Yeah, Finnegan's, I think it is. Finnegan's. Um, so that's the one I'd normally recommend you go to because that's normally where the bigger houses are so 
2019 that let out into Ghostbusters. Uh, so you got a really good head start on Ghostbusters. Uh, last year, it let out into Halloween. Uh, and normally they're the houses that will start running first as well. So you can get into those lines pretty much straight away. You know, there's not much else you can do. So you might be sitting around for an hour or so while you wait. But, you know, what else can could you really do? Um, and you're going to be one of the first through the houses. And then you're out before any of the other houses are even open. And so it's a good way to get a really good head start on that. Yeah, it's fine. While you're there, you can just grab a drink and prepare yourself for the yeah. evening ahead. So... <laughs> start as you mean to go on exactly <laughs> but apart from like the houses and mazes in there obviously there's scare zones as well which are areas of the park that you have to walk through there are section there are ways to go around it to avoid the scare zones but majority of the time people are going to have to walk through the scare zones which have live actors in the streets with sets props and everything smoke machines sound effects anything you, that will appear in a maze inside a house would be outside on the streets uh, so there's lots of different things like that and there's always food and drink as well again coming back to the food and drink theming <laughs> you'll always see i think they do nurses that walk around selling shots uh, I don't recall lot... seeing that in the last couple, but it may be something no. I just missed. I know it was, it's been quite a while since I've actually been, but they used to have uh, nurses, or people dressed as nurses, not real nurses, but <laughs> 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 like real shots, um, selling alcohol shots in the, in the queue lines, at least, just to kind of get people hyped up, give them something to do. Um, but there's so many different food and drink options as well. And one of the ones that I always think of when I, when I think about this, there was a, a food truck when I went many, many years ago and they did a peanut butter, jelly and banana fried sandwich, which was dipped in batter, deep fried, topped with ice and sugar. And it sounds like a heart attack in a, in a bite. <laughs> and it was, but it was great here. <laughs> I think that's become a bit of a mainstay. I'm sure I recall seeing that in uh, in past years that I've been. Oh, if it's there, I need to go and get it again because that was so good. That sounds good. I feel like anything that's deep fried sounds like it's going to be kind of gross and then you try it and you're like, no, actually, it, it works. Like the Mars bars that they used to sell years ago. I'm not talking about Universal right now. I'm talking about chip shops. <laughs> <laughs> they used to sell them at the chippy and I was like, actually, that's all right. I think it normally always leads back to the Scottish, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, usually deep right. <laughs> <laughs> what is everyone's favourite mazes that they've had at Halloween Horror Nights? Oh, that's a good one. I think... See, I, th I think this is where Universal gets it so right because they just throw so much detail into these houses. Like, you know, they're building them for a good six, seven months out of the year. Um, yeah. So, in the past ones I've done, which was Horror Nights 29 and Horror Nights 31, um, 
some of the best looking houses I've seen. Uh, Dead Man's Pay, Winter's Wake last year, uh, yeah. which was just a stunning, stunning set design. Uh, you know, you walk in and you're basically transformed immediately into this little fishing village. It's got a working lighthouse in there. Uh, and funnily enough, another sort of snowy one was uh, Yeti Terror of Yukon in 2019, a couple of years ago. Um, that one looked really good. Yeah, it was. It was a. I think that one worked well as well because it looked good, but then there were also the, the scares matched it as well. Okay. Um, well, I think sometimes going back to that Ghostbusters house, they they set so heavily on the IP and the theming of it, and actually the scares themselves sort of let it down. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's it's been a long time. Again, it's been a long time since I've been to the event. Um, but they have so much IP in intellectual property inside the events now, which I don't mind one bit. But the original stories that they used to come up with were amazing. And some of the best scares and some of the best themes that I've experienced is through that. Like, who can forget Jack the Clown to start Absolute off. icon. Exactly. And I was trying to think of the name because my mind is going completely blank right now. Um, but it, I think it was the Nightingale's house a long, okay, long time yeah, ago. Yeah. Which yeah, was... they did a, a re-theme of that in 2019 for yeah. Nightingale's Blood Pit, a Roman-based one. Yeah, back then it was like a war-based in the in the trenches kind of thing. Yes, yeah. and that was amazing. It was one of the best best ones that I've been through. There's so many others as well. Again, original ideas, houses. I'm not saying yeah, because I think the thing with IPs is you're trying to you're getting a story that's been created for television or for film and trying to sandwich that into a scare maze. Whereas with the original original mazes you've created a story to specifically work for yeah. a maze. So it's always gonna always gonna be more effective than when they've just been like, what's popular? Stranger Things will put that in a maze. Yeah, exactly. Because with any kind of IP example, Stranger Things, as we just said, they they try and recreate scenes that you've seen on TV into a real life space, which is cool. And everyone loves to go through these scenes that you see on TV or in a film experience in person but it doesn't add a storyline you're just hopping from scene to scene yeah rather than going living through a story from room to room and ending in a place like the the stories led you to absolutely i I will say seeing the mind flare in that strange things house a couple of years ago was incredible but yeah it's very much that thing of a lot of jump between what's happening um, where you know something like the Yeti or Dead Man's Pay because the self-contained stories that you know they're able to basically just make one short consistent theme yeah exactly yeah. and the idea of IP and original things not much has been announced this for this year's event as of yet apart from I believe one thing so far. 
Yeah, I mean, we had basically one of the earliest announcements we've ever had in <laughs> Chucky, which was announced, I think, the very day it closed uh, in last uh-huh. year. Yeah, um, it was. So that's obviously got people talking a bit, because uh, there was a Chucky-themed food truck as well last year with the Child's Play Burger, which was a whole sort of mess of what they put on that. Uh, I don't know how anyone could eat that. It was sort of like a donut burger covered in Fruit Loop cereal. It oh. was, it was weird. Oh no! <laughs> now I don't keep up with the movies, those kind of movies, very well. But I'm guessing there's a there's another another new Chucky movie. So there's the new. I think it's a new sci-fi series that's uh, probably into its second or third season now. Okay. So it's not exactly something new, but it's it's showing to be popular by the sounds of it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of rumours as well going around that it's sort of sticking with that sort of doll theme and um, a lot of rumours that Megan is going to be featured in the in a Blumhouse joint house, uh, sort of like they did last year. They had Freaky and the Black Phone in a joint Blumhouse house last year. Um, so a lot of people thinking that's going to make an appearance. Now, I think I've said this to you guys before, but I've not seen the movie Megan yet, but it, it, I don't know. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have a scary feel vibe to it. It's, it's one of those that tries to play on the psychological horror side of things. Yeah. And it's not bad, but when you've seen the likes of Get Out, Us, um, it doesn't quite hit the same, the same tone. I think for me, it was in the trailer. the The face is all dull and robotic, and the body's movement is just somebody wearing a mask, so it's all smooth and it looks weird. And then halfway through the trailer, she started like dancing and twerking, <laughs> and. No, I couldn't take it serious from there. So I never actually saw it. Yeah, I don't think it was meant to be like a serious horror, which if they're rumoured to be putting it in a maze, in a joint maze, what would they put it with? I mean, they always do have some kind what they call like a comedy horror house every year, so... <laughs> Killer Clowns was something else. has anybody else got anything to touch on with that so the rumors for the blumhouse this year would be megan and either insidious or the exorcist okay that this makes no sense to me i'm like (laughs) this is a funny robot dancing thing and then you're gonna put it with like insidious it's a very weird vibe how they do that house because i was a bit unsure of it last year because i think it was the first year they did a a split house um and you basically just go through two houses but with one queue uh so last year it was freaky on the platform so you'd go through the whole freaky storyline first you'd completely exit the house you'd go into this just sort of very open corridor and then start the a divide phone. Yeah, start the black. This phone makes section. sense. I thought they were gonna have her like Megan dancing to tiptoe through the tulips, <laughs> <laughs> like mash the two films together. No, that um, one I see. <laughs> so just looking at a couple of the speculation maps this year, which you know always change. 
<laughs> the Last of Us, uh, Evil Dead, which is interesting because that was heavily rumored to have been a house last year, and it was a big thing last year because we got very very late announcements. Uh, mm-hmm. Normally, there's about a house a month from April through to the event announced, and I think I think up until august there were only three houses announced last year um and then one of them literally a week before the event started um and a lot of people seem to think that was meant to have been an evil dead house and then for some reason the ip got pulled uh and they had to change it last minute to a very generic prison house featuring all these monsters they'd had in previous years Interesting. I'm just pulled the speculation map up myself. I don't know if it's the latest one or not. Um, but on here, I see it's showing at least Krampus. Come back. Yes. I see you've got that, <laughs> that one on there as well, which I've never actually seen again. <laughs> but it seems like something that would be cool because I, I can remember one time going and they had a holiday house. So it was all of the holidays. Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, Halloween, and it was just basically people getting murdered in different various holiday scenes, which was really cool. So I've never seen Krampus, but I feel like that could be a good one to have something other than just, oh, here's a scary house. It's got like a a Christmassy theme to it. Not too sure. Yeah, the interesting thing as well with the speculation maps is people have started to be adding in an 11th house this year and historically that has always been 10 no more um but there seems to be a lot of rumors this year that they are going to bring in that extra house and whether whether that's just because they've realized the events are becoming too crowded and it's a good way to to sort of take some of that pressure off some of the houses but it would be interesting to see if that actually comes through or not I can see them wanting to do a bit of experimentation with it, um, especially with, I don't know if you'd seen that they were going to open like a space in uh, Las Vegas, is it? Yeah. Like yes. a dedicated Horror Nights. Um, year-round haunt. Year-round haunt. So you could, I could see them start to try different things at the parks when they're thinking of what to bring over, when they're no. starting to think out of the box and do permanent spaces like that. I would definitely go and visit that because on the poster for it, it seems like Jack was on there. So if he's going to be appearing in Vegas, that'll be good fun. But I swear a few years ago, I don't know if it was before the pandemic or anything, I swear there was rumors for like 11 houses a couple of years back as well. I'm not too sure if that's just me thinking there was or if there actually was. But I swear, or either that, or there was an extra house that never actually appeared. But again, speculation maps. That's that's the whole name of the game. This is what people are believing might happen. And how often does the speculation turn out to be true anyway? Normally there's some general ideas that, you know, there's, you know, a lot of the early speculation maps anyway have very loose ideas or themes based around them and there's normally some 
truth to it. Uh, but yeah, normally they're, they're a bit off. Right. So anything else to cover on Halloween Horror Nights? I don't think so. I think we've covered it. Just looking at the thing now. And we are running on a little bit now as well, so... I think that should about cover it. And coming to the end of that, that about covers it for this episode as well. So if you manage to stick with us through this mess of a first episode, thank you and apologies. <laughs> All in the same sentence. Um, but no, hopefully we can, the more we do, the better we'll get and things will smooth out over the episodes. It's a lot of information to come from a lot of different people. You don't know <laughs> it is, yes. Tom has uh, been helping us by producing, basically producing the show and giving us show notes. <laughs> and I'm bouncing around these show notes like crazy and I'm forgetting what, I, what I've read, what I haven't. Uh, <laughs> which is why I keep going quiet and uh, making a little yeah, bit just awkward. Say, <laughs> I just say to keep an eye out on next coming episodes, you know, we're going to be revisiting uh, some different events through the year in, in a couple of episodes. So we'll be hitting some more of the festivals, the Mickey's Christmas party. Uh, next up, I think we should be having some quick service resort, uh, quick service restaurant dives, uh, finding the best foods that you can get. A bit cheaper, a bit quicker, rather than table service. Uh, just make sure you know following us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok at Ears to the Parks. Uh, let us know anything you're gonna want to see coming up in future episodes. Hopefully, we can get that covered. Uh, and yeah, just subscribe to the podcast, whatever you're listening to this from. Uh, it really helps out. Uh, hit the notification; you're gonna get those episodes as soon as, as soon as we release them. Uh, and make sure you're up to date with everything we are doing. Yeah, and if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it on your social, share it with a friend that you might think would like to hear from us. And I'm not too sure if this is a thing, but I, this is why I hear a lot of podcasts do it. Make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's what everyone says, right? <laughs> I don't know if that counts towards anything, but it, it would always help. And... Again, contact us on socials at Ears to the Parks, currently on Instagram and TikTok. And you can also contact us via email at contact at Ears to the Park, or you can contact us individually at our names. Contact me at Gary at Ears to the Parks.com. And if you want to introduce your email, you can do that as well. You can contact me at Stevie at Ears to the Parks.com. And you can find me at Jenny at earstotheparks.com. And I am Tom at earstotheparks.com. Amazing. Well, thank you guys for joining me on today's episode. And I look forward to the next time we're together once again. And hopefully <laughs> we can fit in that that uh, trip we spoke about a little bit later on. Yep. At some point, anyway, I'm going to get you guys out to the parks. Mainly just so I can get a trip out there. If you if you can't go, that's fine. <laughs> and what I'm Any trying to excuse. say is, I, what I'm trying to say is, I'm gonna book a trip to go to Disney, <laughs> <laughs> and you can come if you want. Can you there be square? <laughs> yes. 
But again, thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you on the next episode on the Ears to the Parts podcast. Your fast pass to the magic. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs> see you real soon. Thank you.